Wondering what we're all doing sitting and recording on a Friday night? Welcome to Hand of Pod. They're very much quieter surroundings than normal. We're recording in my lovely flat in San Telmo this evening, rather than Dan's palatial um, <laughs> penthouse in Cavachito. Uh, I'm Sam Kelly, and as usual, I'm here with the English and Australian Dan's. Hello. Um, and for this very special little short Copa America preview edition, Seba has been replaced by an Englishman in a Paraguay shirt. Uh, please say hello to Ralph Hanna and Ralph Hanna please say hello to our listeners hello the idea tonight is to to run through very quickly a kind of preview if you will of, of the Copa America as I've always uh, as I've already hinted uh, looking mainly on Paraguay and how likely they are to challenge the strengths and weaknesses of their side Dan you're probably sorry Dan Ralph <laughs> <laughs> this is going to answer if you like doing this um, you're probably best placed to explain to our listeners exactly why, as an Englishman who's currently at least in Buenos Aires, you're well placed to comment on the Paraguayan national side. Do you want to give us a quick biography of yourself? Yeah, I've uh, I've been in Paraguay for just over a year now, permanently. But I was I was going kind of flying between London and Paraguay for about eight years previously. Uh, I went to 2010 World Cup, tweeting for the Guardian, and I was tweeting about Paraguay. Had some nice trips to their training ground where I was told I wasn't allowed in. <laughs> and since I've since I've been in Paraguay, I've kind of been following, picking up uh, local football, Paraguayans abroad, and obviously the national side, writing for various people. We should probably clarify that you won't fly between London and, uh, and Paraguay due to drug smuggling or yeah. arms deals or anything. <laughs> he tells us. Although, although it was suspected, yeah. 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 No, it, it was for love. Yes. And I'm now happily married to a Paraguay. <laughs> So that actually qualifies me double as well, because I get the first-hand views of what, what uh, Carmen thinks of all the Paragon players. Very good. Um, Carmen's not joined us for this recording. I, I don't know whether she speaks any English, actually. I think you might have mentioned... She didn't, she but I was explaining to her to order Café for Loss <laughs> the day that she wouldn't do it. <laughs> That's a pity. That's a great pity. Um, so we don't know an awful lot about Paraguay, other than that they're in a Copa America group along with... Brazil. Thank you. And uh, I've completely bloody forgotten. Brazil, I should have started that sentence. Venezuela well. and Ecuador, I believe. Well yeah. done. And of course, the, well, okay, we, we we know a little bit from having watched them in the World Cup last year, and obviously um, the the main thing that I know about them, having written about it with, uh, for a couple of websites, was Salvador Cavanias's, let's say, an injury which ruled him out of the World Cup last year, yeah. <laughs> which got some coverage when he was shot in the head in a Mexico City nightclub. Um, and lived so what we can at least get from that if nothing else <laughs> uh, is, is part of the reputation for Paraguayans of being kind of the hard men of South America yeah that's any, any other nationality would have probably been killed by a <laughs> point blank range <laughs> 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 
you would have expected. Uh, it, it is the kind of traditional view of Paraguayan football. They're a small country, six million people, and they're the I think the second poorest behind Bolivia. So the idea that they can even qualify for a World Cup, let alone reach the quarterfinals, shows that they're punching above their weight. There's, they've actually won the Copa America twice. 53 and 79 the 53 was meant to be hosted in Paraguay but they didn't have enough money it was in Peru Mm -hmm. there's plenty going on there but including they beat Brazil twice and I think that's where it all started with the with the plucky underdogs right but now under Martino they're playing Martino of course is a student of Bielsa of all people he's also Argentine and Um, Argentine yeah and he's converted Paraguay to a much more attacking team so in the World Cup, in general, they went 4-3-3 until they faced Spain, where obviously they had to change tactics. But, but the idea is they play 4-3-3, it's quite expansive. And they've been, they've been very good to watch since he took over, which was just before the last Copa America in 2007. And it should be said as well that the, um, having also obviously seen various bits of them in the World Cup qualifiers, that the expansiveness of that was perhaps tempered in, in foreign eyes slightly by obviously the fact that Cabanas injury yeah. took out a very key piece of their attack they've had over a year now to to get used to planning for the tournament without him whereas obviously for the World Cup it was it happened you know a few months before but still relatively late on in terms of trying to develop the team who's really come into the sides um, in, in that kind of Cabanas role since then, I don't think it's unfair on, on the other Paraguayan players to, to say that Cavanius was probably the best player that they had yeah. prior to his, his um, accident. Yeah, he definitely was. He was he was the form player. I mean, well, they have Oscar Cardoso, who who's doing very well with Benfica. He's never really converted that to the national side. Hmm. And he's never really been on the fan side, and that ended with a penalty miss against Spain. So he will, he'll be remembered for that, I think, regardless of what he does. The guy who came in just before was an interesting case, which is Lucas Barrios, who of course, yeah. is, of course, Argentine, well, Argentine-born to Paraguayan parents. And he's one of a few uh, members of the Paraguayan squad who are naturalised Paraguayans. So they've, they've grown up here in Argentina. Yeah, you mentioned that to me in an email a, a couple mm. of months ago, where it's going to be interesting to see the reaction of... Argentinian fans to, to yeah. these guys because there's a few of them I think yeah, how many Barrios Ortigosa and yeah. Jonathan Santana Santana yeah. yeah they're the three key ones yeah. there's another off the top of my head who's gone but he he won't be in the squad no and I think well I'm thinking Barrios will never have played in Argentina because some of them would have come back well Ortigosa plays here mm-hmm. Santana probably came back in the qualifier I can't remember if he played but mm. he was probably here so it will be interesting to see yeah. how they respond to Barrios who is on form Paraguay's best player getting into this I mean he's just won the Bundesliga with Dortmund he scored a bag full of goals he set up a bag full of goals and he is the person you'd be looking to to replace Cavanius as leading the attack. Right. Yeah, he's a player that I really rate, actually. I know, uh, I think it was last week I included him in a kind of top 10 South American players in Europe list I did for, did for my work. And he got a couple of comments, but I thought he deserved to be in there because, you know, anyone who scores that many goals in Germany and wins in the league, like, yeah, deserves a recognition. I really like him. I enjoyed watching him in the World Cup. And yeah, look forward to seeing him in the flesh as well. Ortigos is another entertaining player to watch, yeah. right? And, uh, he's like, huge, man. <laughs> he's like a bear of a man. Well, he kind of he rarely moves from the centre circle, no. but he picks up the ball and pings a pass, or he 
Kind he basically grew up playing like streetball, right? Like, this is a bit, yeah. yeah, the great story kind of. He started off his career playing football, playing football for money. Like mm-hmm. other teams from the streets would play him, pay him to play. <clears throat> In kind of this hard V share or whatever he grew up in. Yeah. He grew yeah. up in the. So he's a tough. He's a tough cooker. This was in Argentina, right? Yeah, in yeah Argentina. I, I believe he grew up in the sono west of Buenos Aires, of Greater Buenos Aires. Cabachito, not Cabachito. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, further out than that in in the in the province, but within the mm. urban sprawl, not not too far from where my ex girlfriend lived, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of Moron area, if I'm not mistaken, possibly slightly further out. Um, yeah, like Moreno for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, do you think they're they're probably going to uh, switch their tactics if they if they come up with one of these big games against Brazil? We, they're in the group with Brazil, right? Like, yeah. 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 Um, do you think they're going to switch to like a four four two or something? Yeah, I mean that was that was Martino's kind of plan during the World Cup. There were two games where they would where they played opponents who they considered better than them, which were Italy in the very first game. And and then Spain in the quarterfinals, and both times they played a four four two. Although in the Spain game he ended up going for it because by the end, uh, Santa Cruz, Cardoso, Varios are all on the pitch, and I think even uh, Valdez was on the pitch at one stage. So at one stage there were four strikers there. They kind of had to. They had no other choice. Right. Um, and Brazil. The last time they would have played Brazil was... It would have been in the qualifiers. The qualifiers. Mm. Away they lost, but at home they won a goal from Cavani. Well, 2-0, but Cavani got the first goal. But they really took the game to them that day. They came here to Buenos Aires and beat Argentina 1-0 with the Heidel Valdez goal. Mm. I remember that game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, see, that was a game where they... Where they didn't really, you know, take it to them. They were more pragmatic and, and sneaked to goal. So he does have these two formations mm-hmm. that that you'll probably see used. And what about um, players that are coming into the side, perhaps that we we didn't see at the World Cup? Maybe people that played on Wednesday, for example, or any of those kind of. Yeah, the, the Wednesday team was interesting because they. We should probably explain a bit, yeah. a bit about this before. Yeah, yeah. We didn't basically, really mention it at all right. on the last couple episodes. Basically, um, the domestic Argentine team played the domestic Paraguay team in a friendly on Wednesday night in Chaco, which is like a northern island, I promised. Province bordering um, on Paraguay, bordering yeah. on Paraguay, yeah. And the Argentine team won four-two, I believe. Four, two goals from Alche of Racing, of course, and two goals from Estudiantes players, which were Enzo Perez and, uh, and Fernandez. Fernandez. Fernandez, yeah. And who got the Paraguay goals? The Paraguay goals. The first was a, a goal from Pablo Ceballos, mm-hmm. who's an interesting player, top yeah. scorer in the Paraguayan league. And Elvis Marrecos, okay. a defender, is from a corner. Okay, so now we've got that sorted out. What can you? What would you say about that game? <laughs> the game is the game is interesting. I mean, obviously they're weakened squads for both teams, but Paraguay had the the problem that they didn't pick any Libertad players or Cerro players no. because of the Copa Libertadores. <laughs> Although Libertad had been knocked out. Uh, Martino had the guys for three weeks, three day, the first three days of each week for the last three weeks training. So he kind of wanted to keep that together. I think he brought in the goalkeeper, Libertad's goalkeeper, to sit on the bench. But apart from that, there were no players there, uh, which means you're missing some key players. Uh, but of that of that lineup, the captain Molinas, the centre midfielder, who and the player who started the game next to him, Marcos Riveros, mm. who I don't think. I don't think he's related to Christian at Sunderland. Uh, they're both playing for Olympia Nacional, respectively. They've both been capped before. 
and you could imagine maybe Molinas or, or Riveros or both being in the squad I wouldn't see them pushing the central midfield three but they could they could make the squad mm. other than that would Zavashas have a have a chance of getting in the squad I think Zavias I think Zavias is unlucky that he has Cardoso Varios Jado Valdes Roque mm. ahead of him and, yeah. and the Roque thing is you know I, I think he'll still pick him regardless if he's hardly paid Played, but it's the the experience. And yeah. any other players who weren't there and went? There? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, Libertad's central midfielder is Topo Casares, who played during the World Cup, and it's amazing. It amazes me he's still in Paraguay. Mm-hmm. He's he's by far the the most comfortable kind of central midfielder on the pool in the whole domestic sphere. He's 26 now, so I'm surprised he hasn't at least gone to Mexico or or come mm-hmm. here. Uh, I don't know why another player another player at Libertad Rodolfo Gamarra who's played for the national side a few times kind of plays up front as a kind of winger a winger as a you know as part of a three up front there's one player I know like I can't remember his name maybe you can help me out for Cerro I've watched him quite a few times in the Libertadores and he's really impressed me like um He's a centre midfielder. He usually plays as one of the holding men behind because you know you've got like Fabro, yeah. Lucero, and uh, Torres. Torres in comes like attacking free. Who would it be like? They have Villarreal, but Villarreal. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is one guy that's really impressed me. But I think him. he's Argentinian. Oh, he's just right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cerro has a lot of Argentinian guys. Yeah. Um, the one player they do have who's good as well, who on Wednesday, uh, Thursday night against Santos, was marking Neymar for most of the game. Was mm-hmm. their right back Pires. Uh, BBC, I was in the under twenty squad, yeah. and he's very good. And he's within Paraguay. There's a lot of pressure for him because the right back at the moment is Dario Veron, mm. who is an excellent player, but he's a centre back by trade. Okay. So I think a lot of people would like to see Pires and move Veron into central central defence and drop uh, Paulo de Silva, right. who was at Sunderland now at Zaragoza, and um, has been pretty poor at both. So. Um, so Ralph, what, what do you think Paraguay's chances are? I mean, we think they should get through the groups. I'd, remind us who's in the group again: yeah. Brazil, along with <laughs> Ecuador, I'm very tired today, Ecuador so. and Venezuela. Okay, so, so you would think yes, yes, definitely. So, uh, in second, we should yes. quickly explain that the, the groups. Yeah. There's three yeah. groups of four: um, the top two in each go through, and then the two best third place teams. So, yeah. it's, a so it's actually quite difficult to not get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Probably Costa Rica. Bad, I thought Costa Rica, Peru. Well, no, Costa Rica got a decent team. Like, yeah. I wouldn't write Costa Rica. Yeah, but they're going to bring like mainly. Oh yeah, under twenty. Same with Mexico. They're yeah. going to bring their under twenty-two. Very true. Equally, Me- Mexico. You think will have the strength in depth? Yeah. To, but they, yeah. they normally do. But, but Costa Rica, mm. and also they've they've not had as long to prepare. Remember, because mm. their participation is only confirmed. But suppose they bring in. Uh, under 20 or the Olympic squad basically plus yeah. five overage players so I think but so. still yeah as he said not enough time to prepare yeah. but yeah Paraguay yeah. what do you think well I was looking at it the other day it's, it's kind of hard to predict who they who they get in the quarterfinals yeah mm. exactly it's a problem with the yeah, third with, place with the third place pretty much the only thing you can guarantee is Argentina and Brazil assuming they both win their group yeah. they kept <laughs> part into the final but I could see, assuming they don't meet Argentina because of home advantage, etc., in the quarterfinals, I could see them reaching the semis. Mm. In in 2007, they got knocked out in the quarterfinals, but they had a team that were kind of experimenting for the forthcoming uh, World Cup qualifiers because Martino had just started the job. Right. 
this time they've said uh, Martino said Naput is the the head of the Paraguayan FA. They've all said we're we're taking the team to go for it and to win it. So you could see semi-finals. Semi-finals is definitely a, a possibility. Yeah. I mean, also because the last time the team that beat them in a very weird game was Mexico beat them six one. But Mexico this time are bringing an under twenty three, so so you feel that maybe the field is a bit weaker than it was right. four years ago. Sure, and and presumably Paraguay will. Uh, th- there's also going to be a bit more confidence given the performance in, in last year's World Cup. I mean, they, they didn't yeah. score many goals, but then well, who did in the last yeah. World Cup apart from Germany? And they they went out really by very narrow margins. The eventual winners as well. They, yeah, I can't remember when they missed a penalty or had a decent shout for they one turn also, yeah. They missed a um, penalty. Well, Spain missed a penalty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then Paraguay missed a penalty. Um, but I mean, I, I thought while watching that game, it was uh, bringing it back to to Cabanas again. I, I thought mm. he, he that was the kind of game that he genuinely could have made a difference. And yeah. you could have seen a very different. I'm not saying that Paraguay could have gone on to win it, but you could very well have seen Spain not winning it had Cabanas been in the Paraguay side. I thought that was a situation for Paraguay in the whole World Cup. Actually, like I think I saw. Either all their games or all but one, and I thought, you know, they weren't obviously the most spectacular team, and, mm. but they played some really nice football, very tight football. And I thought, if they just had a goal scorer, it was like the mm. same with Chile. If they just had someone yeah. who could finish, finish and put the ball in the net, they would have, yeah. they would have really made an impact at the tournament. Yeah, well, they had of the the three main strikes they had. Cardoso is on great club form, but has this kind of mental block with the <laughs> national side. If it's any consolation, I have a friend who's um, I, I believe he listens. He, he lives in Lisbon, but he's English. Hello, yeah. Steve, if you are listening, um, and he's a Benfica season ticket holder, and he gets immensely frustrated with Oscar Cardoso because yeah. he says he'll he'll have a game where he. Scores an absolute screamer. He'll volley one into the top corner from 35 yards, and then the very next game, or even five minutes later in the same game, he'll balloon one over the crossbar from about two yards out. He's a kind of <laughs> yeah. this kind of inconsistent striker, and that's kind of been his career. I mean, he's still in mm. single figures for Paraguay. He's maybe got six or seven goals, uh, and then they have the problem with Roque that Roque never plays or rarely plays. So I mean, he's never he's never really informed. Barrios is their key player. Now, but at the World Cup, he he'd only recently joined the Paraguay yeah. setup. So, you know, he I think his first game was a World Cup warm-up for the national side. So, I mean, now they've got they're going into it much much more prepared prepared than last time. I was going to say preparado, <laughs> uh, prepared than last. It happens, time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, so we shall see. I think I think uh, Barrios is really the key there. Yeah. He's going to make the difference. And on that note, I wonder, is there much of a, a thing in Paraguay with... Um, we've already mentioned that Paraguay have several players who, strictly speaking, or, or at least in terms of when they were born, if not in terms... and, and often in terms of parentage as well, are Argentine. Mm. Barrios being one. Is, is there much of a thing in Paraguay? Like, is, is this mentioned very frequently? Because one thing that I remember last season, 2009-2010... Uh, was there was quite a fuss here, a, a very muted kind of fuss, but there, there was a notable minority of people, let's say, saying that Barrios should have been given a call-up at least for one of the friendlies by Maradona because they knew that Paraguay were going to nick him yeah. otherwise. He, I mean, what's, what's the reaction been to, to say, Itorbe moving to Argentina now in, in Paraguay? Has that got much coverage? Or? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Itorbe is a player that... I the first time I saw him was on the news as this like kid doing kick-ups and everyone's talking the new Messi the new Messi he's ours we have to keep him and he'd never even played a game in Paraguay yeah 
and uh, it Durbe has been much different to the other guys coming over because I, it's much easier to accept a good player coming into your team mm. than a guy who's turned their back. Mm. Uh, so Durbe. In general, unless you're a Cerro Porteño fan, <laughs> you kind of just you kind of think it's all Iturbe's fault. He's uh, vende patria. He sold it out his country. Uh, so much more stronger language. But in general, in general, that was the feeling towards Iturbe. But of course, Cerro fans, they've got this great player on their team. He's always supported Cerro since he was about five when he moved back to Paraguay. And those guys do kind of blame the the APF, the Paraguayan. Just briefly, FN, you know. we should just briefly give this yeah. story just for the, those who don't know it. Yet. He was born in Argentina to yeah. Paraguayan parents, right? Yeah. And then you said he went, he went he, at five years he old. He moved back to Paraguay at five years old. Yeah. And then and then uh, he he was playing with Cerro Porteño. Uh, about like, sixteen years old when he made made right. his debut. Yeah, so, yeah. Just before his 60th birthday, I was, I was told by someone the other day, he, he made his first Well, I think at 16 years old, he was playing fairly regularly, yeah. which was where the problem started, yeah. Yeah, and then he was called up by Martino for a friendly uh, in 2009 against Chile. But by playing in a friendly, FIFA don't deem that binding, so he, was still, he still had the opportunity to play for Argentina. And he, he kind of had a falling out with the APF, I don't know if it was money or if it was the way they should treat him the mm. way that they should help him with his contract because he had contract problems with Quilmes and here uh, whatever but then Maradona took him to the World Cup as a kind of sparring player to, to mm. help the squad took a team of youngsters to play against the and then he played for the under 20s at the recent under 20s qualifiers and at that moment that's when he said right I'm committing myself to Argentina it's a funny one and, and it's very much kind of the thing that the Argentines moving to to Paraguay let's say the Argentines who are playing in the Paraguayan mm. national team Argentines don't really tend to pay very much attention to that because there are so many it's, you know yeah. they don't really give a toss if Nestor Rodrigose is choosing to play yeah, in Paraguay exactly. because it's no great loss to the Paraguayan national side but of course he taught away for Paraguay could be and, and you wonder as well or at least I do whether um how much Cerro Porteño the whole contract dispute with them when he came and was training with Quilmes for seven or eight months mm-hmm. last year leading up to the World Cup in a way you think Cerro Porteño almost must have been happy with this because one would assume I don't know how much uh, the transfer fee is for his move to Porto but one would assume that they've got more from Porto him being Argentine than they would have done if he'd been a young Paraguayan national yeah. up and coming just and purely from you know the same way that English players fetch ridiculously high transfer and that's yeah that's actually an argument used in Paraguay a lot the, the fee that I've heard reported is a million dollars right and uh, oh, you know I heard of that, sure. that could yeah, be the same century for Porto it, it, yeah it could well be but as a lot of people argued they said god they would never play that, pay that for a Paraguay and of course 17 mm. million was Roque Santa Cruz so they're wrong <laughs> but, but I see what they I see what they mean you, you get very few Paraguayan players who go to Europe for that kind of money mm. You know, even people like Roque or Julio dos Santos, who's now at Cerro, but was also at Bayern. You know, they went very young. Uh, without, uh, I don't think they had very t- binding contracts here, so people picked them up very cheap. Mm. You know, the European scouts found them and picked them up very cheap. So a million dollars is yeah. is still a good price, and I think yeah, the fact that he's Argentinian helps. 
Is this something that's in terms of the scouting and, and players moving young? Obviously, we're all aware that it, it's happening increasingly in Argentina now with European clubs coming in and scouting clubs that aren't just River and Boca, which of course for decades were the only ones yeah. to bother picking people up from. Um, how was how the, the transfer system and players? Obviously, far fewer Paraguayans have moved on to Europe. But how has that tended to work in Paraguay historically? Because one would assume that Paraguayans historically would have moved to, say, to Argentina. Mexico, as you yeah. said earlier, um, Brazil, or, or maybe Brazil, um, before if they were ever going to before moving on to Europe. Yeah. Of course, you have Arsenio Enrico, who for Independiente is the Argentine top flight's all-time top scorer, who I know you've written about as well mm-hmm. for Inbev with Maradona. But how, how is the transfer, kind of the economics of that, changing in the Paraguayan league at the moment? I think it's it's probably a knock-on effect of the World Cup for a start. But you are seeing, yeah, you are seeing players from clubs other than the big two, which are Cerro Porteño and Olimpia, uh, moving to Europe uh, without going via, like we said, Argentina and Mexico. Mexico, just to explain, pays much better. Yeah, so the Mexican that's, top flight that's why the players is go fourth there. or fifth best paying in the world. Yeah, and and you have a you have a lot of. Paraguayans there, Cavanias was a Dario Verón, Dante López, Osvaldo Martínez, all three have won things in Mexico this year. But what we're seeing, for example, one example is Darlis González, who was at the recent under-17s South American qualifiers, not the World Cup, and he's now got a contract with Benfica, so he'll be going to Benfica. He plays right. for Rubio New, which nobody will have heard of, and that's fine, because I hadn't really heard of them before I came to Paraguay. I have to say, I'm, um, <laughs> yeah. obviously it's, I'm mainly an Argentine football journalist, yeah. but I'm technically Speaking, I'm the SPN Sofinets man in South America, and I've I've heard of them, and I feel quite pleased to, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. be able to say that. So. Yeah, I mean, they they, they rarely qualify for Copa Libertadores, so you wouldn't really see them outside because Paraguayan football's not televised outside of Paraguay. Uh, just interestingly, their manager is Chiqui Arce. If anybody wondered what happened to him, he's the manager of Rubianu. But Delis Gonzalez is a good example. Another mm. one is Maro Caballero, who is at Luque. Again, not a particularly fashionable club. Uh, He's been linked to Chelsea, but it was more from the Paraguayan press rather than the English press, which leads me to believe that there's probably not much going on there. Uh, And also a player called Flori Ancianis, who's also part of that under-17 squad at Luque as well. And he was linked with Real Madrid. But again, it was very much from the Paraguayan side of things. Right. But the fact that they're even mentioning this and talking about this shows how they come on from even five or ten years ago. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I come across another one as well. Like, um, was it uh, Rodrigo El Borno? He plays for Libertad, I Mm -hmm. think. He's meant to be going to Inter, I believe. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. So Libertad are kind of. Not quite the big two, but kind of the third. Yeah, team. I mean, I mean, Paraguay have a traditional big four, and Libertad and Guarani are the other two. Okay, right. Uh, but, but we probably it was something I was going to mention as well because, of course, moving on to the Copa Libertadores semi-finals, um, Cerro Porteño uh, lost one 0 to Santos on Wednesday night in yeah. in Santos. But historically speaking. Olympia are, are the bigger club, aren't they? they, they they've really fallen away, and when I say bigger, I mean yeah. more successful on a continental level. At least they, they've fallen away in, in the last probably four to five years. But they've won is it three Copa Libertadores? Three Copa <laughs> and they're the only Paraguayan side to have won it. Is that they, right? Yeah, you're killing me with this because I'm a Cerro Porteño fan. I, I apologise. It's what Olympia fans say to Cerro fans because <laughs> yeah. Cerro have got five five semi finals, now six semi finals, I think, or now five. Anyway, mm. they've never made it to the final. They've never 
won the thing whereas Olympia have won three Copa Libertadores the last one I think if memory serves is 2002 I think you're yeah. right yeah yeah, cause, yeah 79, 91 2002 <laughs> Which is also the last time they won the league. I can see those right. dates are just seeing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they like get. A, I've got a brother-in-law who has a t-shirt. Like, <laughs> if there's any consolation, obviously as a River Plate fan and yeah. with Boca's success, I'm, I'm and as a Racing fan with uh, Rina Corpus on yeah. the other side, yeah, yeah. we yeah. know your pain. That's good. And as Dan's a federal fan, so <laughs> yeah. I don't really have any clue what we're talking about. Right. Well, if win this year, I'm guessing he'll probably kill himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wonder whether there is something to do with the shirt colours because of course here in Argentina Cerro Porteño play in, in kind uh, of uh, Azul Grana the same kind of yeah. colours as Barcelona and Barcelona have historically been overshadowed by Real Madrid even though Barcelona yeah. themselves are a highly successful club and of course here in Argentina San Lorenzo who plays more or less the same colours yeah. are the only one of the big five who have never won the Libertadores so you wonder whether blue and red it looks nice as a shirt design but, you know if, if you're a, if you're starting a football club then you could probably do better than being those colours just go with base colours anyway yeah that, that's that's the lesson that we've learned from, from this we've probably shown right off Barcelona too, <laughs> too strongly Sam well no I'm, I, I'm not trying to I, I'm merely saying that historically speaking okay. and, and that's not you know I'm a Barcelona fan in Spain I've got two cousins who are from Barcelona yeah it's friends who are Barcelona fans yeah, yeah. No, no, I've got, I've got a cousin who's a Barcelona member. So. Um, this was something I actually said to Australian Dan on Twitter just after the um, Belles, of course, lost their semi-final first leg as well away from home in Montevideo on Thursday night. Last night, as we're recording, one nil to Peñarol. So both sides who won their who were at home in the first leg have won one nil in, the, in that first leg it wouldn't be entirely surprising of course Cerro overturning Santos would be a slightly bigger shot than Meles overturning Peñarol but it wouldn't be entirely surprising if both of those sides who lost the first leg ended up in the final against each other how big would it be in Paraguay if Cerro Porteño were to, to win the Copa or if indeed any Paraguayan club mm. given the dominance that Brazil especially have shown in the last few years and, and the fact that the kind of sliding scale economically has seemed to take some of the smaller countries, particularly, say, Paraguay, Peru, yeah. further down. I think I probably can't put into words how big it would be if Cerro win against Santos mm. and make the final. It will not only be kind of almost 100 years of... Uh, well, 99 years, because next year's is centenary. 99 years of, of never making it or the fact that this year's the bicentenary in Paraguay so there's this whole kind of patriotism anyway because Paraguay suffered a war against Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay so there's always this kind of smaller country complex maybe I shouldn't have said that uh, sorry Paraguayans um, but you know it would be huge it would yeah. be huge I oh, I don't think they'll do it I really want them to I can't see them stopping Santos scoring right the, the one thing so that, that means I'd need to win by two clear goals the one thing is Cerro Porteño especially uh, in the last few Libertadores campaigns have had notoriously hostile fans let's say <laughs> there, oh, there, yeah. there was one I can't remember whether it was last season or the season before where the, the opposing team after winning away yeah. in, in Asuncion had to essentially had to sit in the centre circle was it, um, was until all the fans had been cleared off out the stadium because the fans were throwing yeah. Yeah. Uh, so much I think it was a Mexican club but I'm not sure um, uh, yeah, yeah. The fans were throwing so much stuff onto the pitch that it wasn't safe for them to try yeah. and leave before. It, Santos might be a little bit nervous about facing this, but yeah, uh, it's a it's a weird situation actually because I went to the Santos and Cerro faced each other in the group, so I went to that game in La Oya, which is means the cooking pot, <laughs> and the reason they play their games in La Oya rather than <laughs> larger defensores 
is to kind of squeeze teams. It's right, a, right. yeah, it's a very old stadium. Uh, it's often oversold. I would say. I don't think. Yeah. You know, I think there's more people in them that should be, and and you do get that. You must be feel very claustrophobic as a as a player there and, mm. and as an away player. But I was it says something as well that you know in in South American football they yeah. managed to gain a reputation for yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> exactly I was surprised last time that there were a fair few Santos fans mm. and there will be again because that's how you make your money mm. uh, getting the Brazilians you can overcharge <laughs> at the moment and get them in Libertad <laughs> no Libertad did the same and they made a killing so it is actually a kind of tactic they're using this mm. year I mean Paraguay in the last game against uh, Jaguares they sold out the stadium and, and they made a quarter of a million dollars which yeah. is, is of course a Mexican club but Mexican, equally the, yeah. the, the economic okay. demand yeah, in yeah. Mexico and Brazil are similar exactly. there were people who make the trip the rest of the continent yeah um, so I think there'll be a fair few away fans but I mean yeah I wouldn't want to be I wouldn't want to be a Santos player Hmm. Uh, if they kind of win a penalty or I wouldn't want to be Neymar if he dives <laughs> like he was in the first game which like kind of doesn't ever down, by, yeah, <laughs> down by the Graderia which we call it's popular here but we say Graderia uh, yeah I wouldn't really I saw one comment it. during the game saying that it was amazing that Neymar had managed to set up and or take more shots than anybody else on the pitch on Wednesday night's game considering that he also spent like 50% of the game lying on the floor clutching his face or a shin or something yeah Uh, I I don't watch much Brazilian football but uh, it's from what I read is is that the kind of the referees there do play more towards your offensive players whereas in Paraguay Argentina were not kind of Mm. so Mm. willing to give in to that yeah really quickly before we um, round up I was going to ask as well about the the kind of consumption of football in Paraguay we it, a complaint that we've not exactly a complaint but an observation that we've often made on hand of pod is that Argentines don't tend to watch very much football outside Argentina obviously everybody will be watching tomorrow's Champions League final and probably a lot will be supporting Barcelona because of Lionel Messi mm. hoping he does well but by and large when a player leaves Argentina for Europe they get ignored and, and so there are all these calls to you know nobody found it ridiculous that Maradona was naming several domestic mm. players in his squad last year for the World Cup even though he left out Cambiasso Sanetti all these others I, I would assume that in Paraguay there's slightly more realism about the state <laughs> of the local league yeah is this the, like I, I wouldn't have thought anybody had complained about the lack of domestic players in the squad for last year's World Cup for instance or, or for the upcoming Copa America no, it's more seen as a source of pride that you have a Paraguayan in Europe generally, you know, playing right. football or anywhere in uh, outside of Paraguay. It's the same for any kind of Paraguayan person, you know, be it a, a model or a singer or whatever. So I don't think you like, get that Lur- kind of Larissa, 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 example of singing that. She was going to yeah, say yeah. Yeah. she'd be a source of um, pride for any nation. I'm proud of. But the. But I think there is the natural, there is that natural tendency to to maybe favour a player who you see week in week out, right. if it's a kind of fringe decision, like we're having Pires at the moment. I mean, Pires is a quality right back in the Paraguayan league, but then the, is he really ready to make the, the step up? I hope so because I like him. But I mean, maybe we're we're we're. What's the word? We're we're kind of graying the boundary by by assuming he can make that step up because we watch him week in week right. out. Yeah, right. yeah. That's the typical thing you see in the Argentinian league. Just yeah, a couple exactly of quick thing. questions to tie in with the mm-hmm. with the Copa America in the end. Like, do you think many fans are going to travel over for it from Paraguay? 
I was in the World Cup. I met a Paraguayan I knew, which blew my mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I mean the guy is a multimillionaire who ran for the vice presidency of Olympia, so it's kind of you know that kind of scale. Uh, I would imagine quite a few people will go. They said 500 Cerro fans went to Santos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paraguay is kind of a growing economy at the moment, and the Guarani is quite strong compared to the peso. Historically, we're, it's at quite a high. So I'd imagine you'll see quite a few people going over, okay. especially to the Brazil game, which I think is Cordoba, which mm-hmm. we can get to by bus in 12, 16 hours. Plus, I believe when I read this, there's something like uh, 600,000 Paraguayans in Argentina? There's, yeah, I've, I've, heard, a, I've heard a stat there's 250,000 legal people. Okay. So if there's 250,000 legal, we can probably double mm. that, yeah. Mm. Mm. Definitely. I don't know. Just lastly, I guess you've probably mentioned a couple of them already, but who should we, we look out for in, in the Paraguayan team? Or somebody perhaps who is not so well known that could 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 stand out? Yeah. Well, the players who don't play in Europe, their best, they're two, well, they're two key players. Let's put them in is Topo Cáceres in central midfield, who plays for Libertad, mm-hmm. who you would have seen if you watched the World Cup. He was never present during the World Cup in central midfield, mm-hmm. kind of tidies up and, and starts starts attacking moves. Mm-hmm. Then also the the right back who should be a centre back is Dario Verón yeah. who has just wrapped up another title in Mexico. I think he's won four in the last seven years with, with Pumas and he's mm. kind of one of the most respected defenders in the Mexican league. I don't watch much Mexican football but um, nominally I'm a Pumas fan because one of my friends from England is married to a Mexican girl and she's a Pumas fan so they're um. not a Mexican club so thank you very much Dario Verón. <laughs> Um, one thing that I also really quickly wanted to ask and I apologise to our listeners if it seems like I'm slightly fixated on Salvador Cabanas it's because I am slightly fixated on <laughs> yeah. Salvador Cabanas I had the pleasure when I went to Mexico for said friend's uh, wedding uh, just over two years ago I went to a game at the Estadio Azteca to see America against Atlas and I got to see Cabanas in the flesh almost almost exactly a year like mm-hmm. to the week before he, he was shot how much of a big story is he in Paraguay? I mean, even today, in a, a year and what? What is it like? Fourteen, fifteen months on from from the the murder attempt. Yeah. <laughs> so. And is there any kind of substance in these stories that he might be coming back? He's, he's training he's in, again. He's in Libertad's squad and trains with them, but it's as an honorary yes. member. Isn't Can you it, see him like? ever playing professional football again? I actually saw him in person. Uh, when was this? Maybe five, six months ago, mm-hmm. in the airport. Okay. With his wife, and he I looked, you told me about yeah. this when when you were in Buenos Aires before. Yeah. and he looked he looked very kind of shell shocked to be around people. He didn't seem to be walking right. I've heard that he still slurs when he speaks. Still, yeah, but then when was he? When did we see him recently? He came out. He was on TV. I can't remember. He was talking about some kind of maybe the Super Classico actually, which was about a month ago, and he spoke very well and he looked mm. much better. Mm-hmm. So the, obviously yeah. the training at Libertad is doing something. Yeah, I I couldn't imagine him play again. I don't know. I mean, I, mean, that, so I remember seeing him. It would in be an one incredible story. Yeah, yeah. I saw him in one interview maybe three or four months ago which came out in Fox and it's incredibly incredibly moving the piece he was kind of saying you know what happened how he's recovered and how he'd love to play again and I, I it think was he's, in, yeah I it think he's a legend yeah America had run America de Mexico his, his club in Mexico City um, at the time of this murder attempt had a run to the Copa Libertadores semis probably three years ago I think if I remember rightly 2008 sounds about right and he was just I mean, he's got a better first touch with his chest than most players yeah. have got with their stronger foot. You know, he's got a big chest. Let's, and, yeah, 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 we'll give him that. But, but it was, it was in the game I saw him in. He, he didn't do anything kind of 
you know, he didn't score any screaming goals or anything, but he, he played a couple of through balls with his chest to, you know, just <laughs> straight onto the foot of the winger, kind of turning. And it's, it's fantastic. And um, not that it re- really means very much, but we wish him well. And I think, for me, the fact that he's training again, albeit that he's never going to probably play first division football again, it, it, in yeah. a way, is, is such a great comeback because yeah. he was literally and you know the story that we hear is that somebody held, held the gun about two inches shot away from his nose yeah. and shot him yeah. right in the middle yeah. of the face um, it's an incredible story it is I, I had someone on Twitter the other day ask about him and I, and I explained the situation and he tweeted back saying I'm just happy to hear he's he's alive and walking yeah. which I think is yeah which I think sums it up he he was a great player to watch as we touched on earlier an Argentinian would have died in that situation yeah <laughs> or an Englishman <laughs> yeah Brazilian or anybody else generally anybody yeah (laughs) one other thing really quickly as well that we should probably mention is that bizarrely linked in with this hard man image and it's possibly just because we're on the continent of what to us I think all of us possibly with the exception of Ralph if you don't mind (laughs) me saying uh, verging on six foot if not more than six foot is that we're on a continent of relatively short people and Paraguayans are some of the shortest in South America yeah. and yet they have this the national side has this reputation stop laughing the national team has it's a reputation it's, going, it's, yeah. this is true though the, the, yeah. the Paraguayan national side has a reputation among other countries for being strong in the air yeah. from corners and set pieces and stuff even though they're all about four foot six <laughs> so we got rock. yeah, yeah. Rock is huge, well it's weird actually their, their national team there's there's quite a few tall players in there mm. yeah like uh, Cardoso Roque uh, but I don't know where it comes from uh, you know I, it's it's bizarre even in the the game against Argentina this week their two goals were from corners although one albeit was, was on the floor but they they kind of dominated the game airily, even yeah. though their players were on... Their tallest player, I think, was one, 1.8 metres. They're obviously well-drilled with that. Yeah. And, yeah. and also, 1.8 metres is... Uh, I happen yeah, to know, it's, it's, it's how tall I am. It's, it's six feet, basically, yeah. uh, for our uh, anglophone listeners. Link, link, like linked in with, um, with how well-drilled they're clearly up and set pieces is another uh, aspect that is going to be... A, OK, probably not all that big a thing in the Copa America because if you would think it would have been a big thing in previous Copas America as well. But it's an interesting anecdote. Is that they tend to talk Guarani to each other on the pitch rather than yeah. Spanish when they're playing other Spanish-speaking nations, don't they? This is, well, yeah, I heard once it was to confuse other players, but actually, you know, most people would speak Guarani on a football pitch in Paraguay. But actually, but the interesting thing is, I I don't know if they still do this with the Argentinian, the naturalised Paraguayans mm. who've come in. Mm. I don't know if their parents teach them Guarani here because oh, the okay, famous yeah. kind of the famous kind of way of learning Guarani in in Paraguay is your your grandma or your granddad speaks it to you. It's you know it's what people say. You also mm. have to learn in school, etc. So, a, it's so I wonder if they still do that. There, oh, very much so. Yeah, right. yeah. But I yeah I don't know I don't know if they do that anymore. It, it's, right. And with Martino as the coach, who obviously wouldn't speak a word of it, I guess he, he knows a bit. I think. Oh, he does now because well, he to go for it, yeah least. because he's he was at Libertad yeah. as well for a long time. Oh, of right. course, yeah. he's got quite a few connections. Yeah. On on this note, I wonder, I'm just looking at the clock and we've. Oh, so we we went, actually, Brock could God. sing us a little something and. <laughs> well, I, yeah. what, what I was going to ask him to do, which is perhaps a slightly more realistic game, <laughs> <laughs> Nash- Paraguayan national anthem, <laughs> was, was whether you'd be able to say thank you to listening to this Hand of Pod episode and good night. What's Hand of Pod in Guarani? Like, <laughs> yeah. I imagine Hand of Pod in Guarani would be Hand of uh, Pod. But, uh, well, actually, we could do we could do Thank You, which is Awiji. We can do Hand, which is Pod, so it would be Pod, which is brilliant. Uh, 
and goodnight has has totally gone so we'll have to leave it there <laughs> thank you very much anyway Ralph and um, apologies to the listeners for uh, I, I did say at the beginning that this may be a very short uh, the idea was to make it about 30, 35 minutes or so it might turn out to be slightly longer because we've been talking for 50 and I enjoyed it frankly we can cut quite a lot Um, out of that apologies also for what may be quite poor production but I'm going to plan on producing this whilst watching the Primera Division Argentine matches on Saturday afternoon and then (coughs) upload it we should mention we're planning to do a series of these for all the well yeah, basically anyone we can find to come on, on as a guest yeah. of uh, mainly all of the contenders for the country to us. we're planning if you're particularly if you're Brazilian or Uruguayan and actually we've got we may have people Brazilian I think we're okay yeah. uh, Uruguay is one of the the main contenders that we're really struggling to find English speakers from if you're Uruguayan or if you know a lot about Uruguayan football <laughs> and your level of English is, is good please get in touch uh, with one of us because we are looking to do this but we've certainly got guests from Chile Brazil Possibly, um, possibly Colombia lined up as well. Hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, from uh, from me and um, from the Dan's and Ralph, it's thank you very much for listening to this Copa America preview special of Hand of Pod, and goodbye for now. Bye. Bye. Friday night special, so it might be time for a few beers after this. Absolutely, I think so. As yeah. opposed to normally when we drink a few beers. Or <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> 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 Before. <laughs>